a special edition of the Velo Chumps podcast. This last week, we had the Intelligentsia Cup come to Chicago, and we thought it would be a great opportunity to take you race side at some of the top level pro criterium races that happen here in the United States. I know the Tour de France was just on the Tour de France Femme avec Swift, but this was what was in our backyard, and we find this type of racing very exciting. And we thought being able to try to bring you some of the sounds, some of the analysis, some of the action that goes on these races would be a good idea. So, myself, Casey Rapsky, and Ryan Brainer attended a few of these races. You might remember Casey from our Unenthusiast Watch Unchained special edition. So, before she got into the Unchained Tour de France Unchained and became a road racing aficionado, coming in on the podium in both the men's and the women's Tour de France fantasy leagues we had at VeloChump, she did attend some crit races last year, and that's where she really got into racing. So we went back and uh, watched one of the races up in Lake Bluff, Illinois, and we're going to take you race side there. The next day, Ryan Brainer myself, we recorded a few uh, segments at the downtown Chicago final day of the Intelligentsia Cup wrap-up. That was pretty exciting. So just to give you a quick introduction to what's going on at these races, the Intelligentsia Cup is a 10-day race series where it attracts the premier professional bike racers that are racing in America. They come and they are racing for points every day, so it's somewhat similar to a stage race, and you'll hear some of the announcers from the races explaining a little bit of that. So it's a cumulative race every day, but each race there's a, a winner, just like in any stage race that you see on the road, like the Tour de France or any of the smaller stage races. They're racing to win every day, but they're also racing for the overall. In addition, there is a year-long Criterium series in the United States called the American Criterium Cup, and... One of the races at the Intelligentsia Cup is the designated American Criterium Cup race for the Intelligentsia Cup. So not only were you attracting the racers that were trying to win the Intelligentsia Cup, that were trying to win the stages each day, you were also bringing in the racers that are vying for the overall annual American Criterium Cup championship. So the first race that we are doing race side is the Lake Bluff Criterium, which was the uh, American Criterium Cup race. So what we're going to do is drop you into our introduction to that, and then we had we recorded a few segments, and uh, we'll come in and out and give you a little bit of an explanation of what's going on there. But right now, let's jump into our first race side segment. All right. Ready? Ready. All right. We are coming to you live from Lake Bluff, Illinois, the site of the Intelligentsia Cup. And we are also here at the start of the ACC American Criterium Cup race for the Intelligentsia Cup. So we've got an exciting two races going on. We have the Pro 1-2 Women's, Pro 1-2 Men's. They're fighting for the Intelligentsia Cup uh, Jersey as well as tonight they are fighting for the ACC Jersey points so we should see a lot of action tonight with me today on the side race side we got Casey Rapsky say hi Casey 
Hello, all. This is literally Chumps Talking Bikes live and in action. Yeah, so are you, you excited about this race, Casey? Super excited. Unfortunately, That's awesome. it's the one that I've been able to attend of the whole series, so I'm happy I could at least make it to one. Awesome. So they are doing the call-ups for the Women's Pro 1-2 race right now. They are calling up the top 10 of the um, of the Intelligency Cup Series right now. And then we will get into some fun racing. So, Casey, you've been to these crit races before. They're pretty fun to watch, huh? You like it? It's amazing, especially when you're hanging out around a corner that's sharp, which we are right down from that we can see right now. So hopefully we move closer to the action. Yeah, when we get when the race gets started here, we're going to do some recording. We're going to record the sound of the bikes coming by. It is impressive if you've never been to a crit race. I would seriously encourage you to go see one. It is action-packed, unlike a road race where the riders will pass by one time these riders will pass by 30 to 40 times depending on how long the race is going to be that night and how fast they're going and the, the the length of the course but they will be passing by at upwards of 30 miles per hour sometimes they will be going through those corners railing them and it just is exhilarating when you get to see that so we're going to try to bring the audio of that to you we're also going to have some video on the uh um, on the Instagram and our YouTube. So we're going to have some of that for you. But we are excited to check out this race and bring you some of the sounds of big-time professional crit racing in the United States. So we got all the big names here tonight. We have Legion of Los Angeles. We have Denver Disruptors. We have the Miami Knights. We have Miami Blazers. We have a lot of the big-time riders across the u.s are here tonight because it is the acc race we have um paula munoz is leading the acc cup she came in just for this race you have uh andrea sir second in the acc right now she's here samantha schneider from legion and then we have plenty of other fantastic racers and we are going to try to get you some race side action here at the velo champs podcast Sound good, Casey? You up for that tonight? Sounds amazing. I think before we get started, though, you want to talk about the skin of the game we have laid down on this Oh, race. yeah. We also bought a preem, and we are going to record that for you so you can hear us. If you don't know what that is in crit racing, it's very exciting. Certain laps, because, of course, in a crit race, they're going around the same lap many, many, many times. And certain laps, the person that crosses the line first wins an additional extra little kicker which is called a preem. So whoever pr crosses the line, not to win the whole race, but crosses the line on that specific lap is going to win some extra money. And we threw some into the pot and uh, hopefully we'll get some exciting uh, racers to win our Velo Chumps preem tonight. So keep an ear out for that. We have that coming up. Ready to get this started, Casey? Let's go. All right. All right, so you heard us at the start of the women's race there, getting into who was in it, what was the setup a little bit, and you you heard at the end that uh, Casey mentioned about the preem that we sponsored. So basically, we will let the announcers explain that in a little bit more detail here in a minute, but the in a crit race, as we discussed, the riders are going around the same lap many, many times, and to spice up the racing, sometimes the organizers will offer additional bonus money typically for the rider that comes in first on a specific lap. So this might be similar to what you see at the Tour de France where they have intermediate sprint points or KOM points or even bonus seconds at specific points intermediate in the middle of the race. 
but they can do this quite often in a crit race because they're coming around so many times. And also they don't announce it ahead of time when those premiums are going to be. So it will typically be as the riders are coming around the, the start finish line, the announcers at the stage will announce, they'll ring a bell, they'll announce, they say, okay, next time we come around, we're going to have this premium. It's going to be such and such amount. And then the riders have to make a decision. Do they want to put effort into winning that individual premium, which may burn matches that will make it harder for them to win the race? Or do they want to let someone else win the premium and save their energy for the end of the race? So it creates a little bit of extra strategy, especially since it's not something they're planning for ahead of time. So what we're going to do here, we mentioned that we sponsored a preem. It was the going to be the first preem of the women's race. So we're going to take you to our announcers for the race, which were Brad Soner and Frankie Andreu, two legends of announcing. Of course, Frankie Andreu, legend in the U.S. cycling scene. You can look up his Palmares. They're pretty impressive. So he's here announcing. Brad Soner, of course, uh, a legend of announcing as well. So let's kick it over to them and let them announce the winner of the Velo Chumps Prime. Here, these are lap prizes. Has nothing to do with how the riders finish overall. It is this lap and this lap only. So in this case, a little bit of cash could be merchandise, but most of the time we like to put some money out there. It's a good way to get the riders paid, get a little bit of action for you so that we can see some sprinting on the line. I have a feeling with the fresh legs out there today after a unplanned rest day yesterday because of the storms rolling through yesterday evening the pro women's race and pro men's race canceled so these riders got an extra day off for a lot of these riders that would have been day eight of consecutive racing which is really really tough unless you're frankie andre you're doing the tour de france then it's easy you do that nine times it's like nothing this is like a mini Tour de France. It really tests your endurance, not in the race, but just overall, the, the entire week of racing. Frank, I know when you're racing the Tour, it's not about to, on the bike. Off the bike is just as hard, trying to recover, trying to rest, sleep, eat, all that stuff. Absolutely, 100%. You know, mentally and physically, there's a lot going on in these races. You gotta remember, it's so stressful, the nerve-wracking racing. Close calls that happen all the time. In the meantime, we ring the bell again. Velo Chumps podcast, and it's $200, and it's the white jerseys of Legion. Battling Danny Morris, and it's going to be Legion on the front with Sky, Sky Schneider. Schneider. Oh, there you go. That's one of the jerseys that I'm going to ask you to get used to seeing. Skylar Schneider also wearing a special jersey. Hers looks a little bit more like her teammate. She is the reigning Pan Am champion, so she gets a special jersey with uh, the Pan Am colors on her chest, but mostly in white. You saw the first rider across the line. That was Skylar Schneider, her Legion of Los Angeles team. The other rider that we're going to talk about on that squad is wearing a yellow jersey. We met Sam Schneider at the beginning of the race as she is the overall series leader here at the Intelligentsia Cup. Riders race for points every night over the 10 days of racing here. You get 20 points for a win, 19 points for second, 18 points for third, on down the line, the most cumulative points at the end of the day wears the yellow jersey. It's a little different than the Tour de France where they do it based on time. Here, they race based on points. So it's more like, if you're familiar with the Tour de France, the points competition for the green jersey. All 
All right, so I just want to point out something that you heard Brad, Brad Soner talking about there. He mentioned that Sky Schneider, the winner of the Velo Chumps Prime on the women's side, she is wearing a special jersey, the Pan Am jersey. And I just want to point that out because it demonstrates the level of riders that you get to see here in America at these Criterium races. So if you're a road racing fan, you might be familiar with national championship jerseys or the world championship jerseys. But in addition, the UCI has regional championship jerseys that they award and the most common one that you probably know if you are a racing fan if you're a road racing fan is the european championship jersey so this year um lorena Wiebes is wearing that jersey on the women's side and fabio jacobson is wearing that on the men's side but the region that the u.s is part of is the pan am region and sky schneider who was in this race who we were watching racing around this track 40-something times this evening. She is the Pan Am champion. She won that Pan Am road race. She beat Allison Jackson in the sprint finish of that race. You may know her as the 2023 Paris-Roubaix Femme winner. So this is serious level racing. And just knowing that the Pan Am champion is out there just shows you how talented this field in the American criterium racing scene is right now. And it's it's just something that's worth going to see if you're at all into bike racing. It is something that is very, you know, you have very high ta- highly talented bike racers out here that you can get to see right right up close to you. It's incredible how close you can get to these riders. So we're going to go and uh, talk a little bit about that. We went into a few corners. We are going to give you a little bit of race updates, explain a little bit more about what's going on and try to give you a little bit of a feeling of what it's like being at one of these races. All right, Casey, we are here in one of the turns on the course, a very technical little chicane here. The course in the straightaway has a little quick right-left, and it narrows down pretty pretty good, huh? So the riders really have to use their, their skills here. It's not just all about power. They really need to get through, and especially when you have a peloton. I mean, Casey, how many people do you think are in this race? Just from looking at it. 50. Yeah, so at this point, we've already had a few riders drop out. We're early in the race, but about probably about 50 riders coming through this tight little corner here, and they have to navigate that peloton, and they're probably going somewhere in the neighborhood of 22, 25 miles an hour in that coming through this corner. So it's pretty cool. So when they come through this time, we're going to hold the uh, mics up, and you can hear the the whooshing, huh, Casey, of the, of the, the bikes coming through. So... The whoosh and the hair blow. The Love air, it. absolutely. So here we're going to we hold are. the mics out. They're coming through right now. Let's see what we get here. Looks like we got Legion and DNA on the front of this right now. Here they come. I don't know if you noticed that, Casey, but the front people took the turn really quickly. They just railed on right through there, and the people in the back of the group, they had to slow down, break a little bit. You hear a little bit of that disc brake noise. They had to break a little bit and slow down. So seems like when you're in the back of a crit race and you're going through these technical corners, you end up needing to brake and then reaccelerate, and that probably ends up costing you a lot of energy by the end of the race when you do this lap 40 to 50 times, and... 
you're going to struggle to stay up with it and by by the end of the race. Do you notice that that they slow down at the back of the the pack there? I noticed you hear braking, you also hear gear shifting, and I know that cuz I'm terrified of bees and when they go by it sounds like a swarm of bees. <laughs> yeah. And the front and then the back you start hearing a lot of like cranking, brakes. Yeah, gear all that shifting, clicking. So the the swarm of bee noise kind of disappears. Yeah, I mean that is one of the things about pro crit racing is the top teams are pretty well supported you know you have your uh legion of los angeles miami blazers you have your miami knights denver disruptors i mean these are well supported teams but you also end up with some of these teams or you eventually end up with riders that are not even on a team and they're maintaining their own bikes so you don't always have world tour level bike maintenance going on here so you can get a little bit of you know, a little bit of noise, a little bit of clicking, a little bit of squealing, Ryan freaking. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of Ryan. Yeah, you get a little bit of that. All right, they're going to come through again here. Someone is uh, stringing it out. The group is much more strung out. Oh, that's the U23 national champion out front, Chloe Patrick. That lean, though, into the curve. So we're about on the 10th lap of the race right now. This is pretty exciting. The VeloChumps Prime that we talked about earlier, that was called out. It was They, they rung the bell about three laps in, and uh, Skylar Schneider from Legion of Los Angeles took the, took the Prime and took the VeloChumps cash. So that's pretty exciting. She is the Pan Am national champion. So she's wearing a special jersey. Oh, not national. She is the Pan Am champion. So she gets to wear a special jersey. Pretty cool, huh, Casey? Do you like that? Uh, like the jersey she has? Uh, yeah, and that's the first team I learned about, so it holds a special place in my heart. So of all the people to win, I'm very excited it was her and her team. So you rooting for Legion tonight? You rooting for them to take the win? Always. I did just go get my lion tattoo, so big awesome. place in my heart for them. Awesome. So they actually look pretty good. They have a strong team here. Again, Samantha Schneider is she is leading the Intelligentsia Cup right now, so she's wearing the special yellow jersey. And she looked pretty well positioned. The Legion riders looked pretty well uh, on top of things earlier in this race. Alexis Ryan took a little flyer, made the other teams waste some matches to chase her back down. They look in control of things. So, so it looks, Casey, like it looks good. You're going to have a chance to see your, uh, your team sprint for the win, I would bet here. So we can. Let's they're coming go. around again. We still have a Legion rider in the front. Who else is in front this time? Let's, let's listen to them come by. spread out this loop yes so you notice that they were much more strung out this time they almost came through this corner single file and there was a little bit of splits huh you noticed that there less was a breaking, couple less shifting but there was a couple gaps you see that yes. there was um so someone must have turned up the pace so you can tell they must have increased the pace on this lap they might be trying to get rid of some of the you know the stragglers that might not make it to the end of this race and that was pretty exciting. They they came pre through pretty fast on that that first group that came through, huh, Casey? They were they were they were trucking right through here, huh? I wish there was a speedometer on the street. Oh, for sure. You know, we, that's going. a good idea. We should get one of those like um, radar guns that they use, the go. the police, and we can see how fast they're Next coming year through. We'll be equipped. I mean, this is impressive. I don't know. 
they're already close to coming through again. So you could tell how uh, look. You see how strung out the group is. If we look across, obviously on uh, the podcast, listeners can't see this, but the way crit courses work, you can typically from one vantage point, you can see the other side of the course, and look how spr- strung out these riders are and spread out they are. We can see the last riders coming through on the other side of the course, and we can already see the front riders coming through on the side of the course we're sitting. So now we have a Legion rider out front this time. Let's listen in. Oh, we have a uh, 2024 rider coming to the front. Wow, really big, really big gaps this time. I think we're going to have to throw something up on Instagram to show how spread out this field is. So that yeah, I mean, there was, probably, uh, there was probably 25 to 30 riders, like, struggling to stay with the front select group there. So really we're going to see apart. this group thin down as we... Uh, we get through this race. We're still early on. We're, we're not at the part of the race we can see the front, the uh, the finish line, so we don't know how many laps to go if they switched over from time to laps. But uh, the the front, the teams in the front, the uh, we have Legion up there. We have the uh, oh, here comes here comes a rider. She <laughs> she's probably going to be that. pulled here shortly. It was an LA Sweat rider. Um, you know, we have Legion, we have Miami Knights, we have Team 2024. They are probably really pushing the pace here, and they're going to create a select group up there. And and some of these some of these girls that are getting gapped, they're going to be pulled here. The way this is this race is going. All right, here they come through one more time. We'll one get a little video this times. time. <laughs> well, we'll get a video of this one. So you can see how strung out the race is all of a sudden. This is going to force you to check out the Instagram page. Here we go. Yeah, we're going to throw this up on Instagram, and you'll be able to see a huge gap all of a sudden. This race is blown up already. It's still early on. I bet they don't even have the lap counter up. They have some making up to do for sure. If you could hear the difference, if you're listening to the show, if you could hear the, the different groups coming through, you could see how big of a gap there was between the different groups of riders. So... They are definitely making a selection on this uh, on this race already, so it's pretty exciting. They're coming through pretty fast, huh, Casey? You excited so far? You like watching this? Super excited. Awesome. So what do you think, Casey? Should we go check a different part of the course out? I think so. It's really hard for me to pay attention and worry about talking to my microphone, so I'm going to take a time <laughs> out and enjoy some race, and we'll come awesome. right back at you. All right. We are now in the final turn right before the finish line, and... You can see, Casey, there's a little uphill drag into this sprint finish here. So the, the sprint itself is pretty flat, but the final turn, they're going to make that final turn. What do you think? That's about a third of them, like 0.3 miles away from here to there? Sounds about right. So you're going to make the turn. It's an uphill drag for about half of that, and then it flattens out. So it'll be an exciting sprint finish. We're going to 
probably see some teams try to set up a lead out to get them up this hill and then launch their sprinter into the flat part to just, you know, go put, you know, full gas through the line there. We'll see how that goes. But what would you say, Casey, since we've been watching this race now, it's probably about half of the field has been eliminated at this point. Does that, does that sound about right? The last couple, yes, they laps, they have dropped off like substantially. So yeah. it's getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, if you actually heard the free wheel noise coming through, that was one of the riders that was uh, eliminated from the race. She just kind of had a little low. Yeah, right she just just uh, rolled by us. But let's see where the the field should be coming through here. I hear the motorcycle, so they're coming in here into the last turn. They look like they're all together. This front field. They are nice, tightly packed again. Got 2024 on the front. Marley Mejias is uh, getting led out by her team. Teamwork. But yeah, that looks like roughly half of the starting field. And they are staying together. Can can you see the lap counter, Casey? I can't see it with this group. Let's see if they go by. We can see where we are in the race. I think we're going to have to get closer. Yeah, we might have to walk up closer to see that. I Skyler cannot see. got another hundred dollars yeah. cash. In that so she's got it. She's got at least three hundred, two hundred from the Velo Chomps, and a yeah. uh, hundred in that one. But I would guess we're about halfway through the race right now, just from uh, without knowing the uh, the lap counter here. Girl's got some bills to pay. <laughs> yeah, I think she is happy to get those preems, Casey. But I am pretty sure that they are going for the overall win here. That is their strategy. It's not just. Uh, Cream hunting or collecting. I think that uh, they're trying to get the whole thing done here, especially that her sister has the yellow jersey. She's probably trying to keep that for her. They're probably going to try to lead Samantha out and uh, bring her to the line in the lead so she can both continue to lead the Intelligentsia Cup but also potentially move up in the ACC, the American Criterium Cup, where she's uh, currently sitting third. So... Here they come around again. Oh, we have a Legion Rider off the front, maybe about five right seconds away. off the front. Little cat and mouse. Let's go. That's Skyler. She really is taking a flyer here. All the other teams working to, to chase her down. Got the rest of the Legion Rider sitting in. That, the field is much more strung out this lap, huh, Casey? almost an accident right there someone was trying to get out of the front of that peloton and they wanted to stick behind her so interesting yeah sky sky looks like she has some good legs she's trying to put the pace up trying to put some people into some difficulty make them work hard so they're gonna potentially struggle in the last few laps the 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 last lap that came through huh they were just in a big bunch a this big time bunch. it was just one line almost single file all the way up this little hill that we're that we're looking at here, huh? You know, it's interesting because the curve we're on goes a little downhill. You go around a curve, then it goes just enough uphill for your quads to say, oh, my quad. So I think that girl <laughs> did not have what she thought she had in the bank. So she <laughs> fell back a little bit. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these courses on paper, huh? Like, if you look at it, it doesn't look that 
complicated, right, Casey? But when no. you look at it in real life, there's a lot more to these the courses. Grades, yes, that I think you just do not give it enough credit. So yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, here, we're here in Illinois where we don't have hills at all. This is very flat. I mean, on our rides, we'll do a hundred miles and maybe get a a thousand feet of elevation That's gain. I was going to say five hundred. <laughs> <so yes. laughs> yeah. But in this sort of a crit race where it's, you know, tight corners into grades, downhills into uphills. It does create a, a challenge for these girls and, and guys later to figure out how to optimize. All right, so now we got another a group of about gap. four or five, yeah? So we got a five-rider group off the front. Andrea Sear is up there with Skyler. Look at that girl in the back working, Casey. Working. Look at her. She is fighting. She does not want the Grim Reaper to take her no. off of this course. She does not want Steve Fury to point her off. But she's staying with the group, so she's not in danger of being cut off here. I think this team, I mean, I think this whole group here, Casey, I think they will be able to go to the line because they're staying together. But that girl off the back looked like she was doing an FTP test. She was rocking and rolling, huh? She was really pulling on those bars. <laughs> All right, we're going to roll up by the uh, finish line now and see how many laps to go and uh, try to bring you a little bit of action from the end of the race here. Sound good, go. Case? Let's do it. So you heard us breaking down the last, I would say the last maybe six or seven laps of the women's race. And uh, if you heard us talking that there was a small break starting to form, and they tried to uh, keep that going, but it did not. it did not work. And... That break got gobbled up, and we ended up with a pure sprint finish. So, um, I just wanted to quickly mention what Casey was discussing about the Grim Reaper, who is the actually the USAC official at the race, and uh, Steve Fury is always the guy that is doing the. He is the official with the Intelligent Intelligentsia Cup every time I've been there. And basically one of the things he's going to do is check on the riders that are getting dropped. Because remember, it is a circuit course, and they are going around laps many, many times. And the, these courses are typically somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, three-quarters of a mile. Uh, a mile would be pretty long for a crit course, but somewhere in that range. So if the rider falls off the back of the group, if you've ever been in a group ride and it's a somewhat fast group ride and you fall out of the draft and you're on your own, you know it's much harder to keep up. So... If any of these riders fall off the group and they're not able to keep up with the group, the problem is if they're not fast enough, the group will come around and catch them. So in that situation, the official will pull them out of the race and say, basically point them and pull, point them out and say, pull, pull them out and say, listen, you know, you, we can't have riders at the back end that are dropped off the back affecting the front of the race. So before they're going to affect the front of the race, the official is going to pull them out. So it is something unique. And you'll hear us talking about that in the men's race for sure. But you'll hear us talking about it where we talked, we discussed that there's less riders because as they go around and they drop off, they're getting pulled off of the, um, they're getting pulled off the course. So they're not affecting the race up in the front. So, Anyway, going back to the end of the race, it was a it did turn into a sprint finish. The brake got caught. And here you had your typical what you would expect to see in a sprint finish world tour type of stage. You had the, the, the strong teams with the lead outs 
putting their team, their sprinters in position. Now, in this particular race, going into the last lap, the Legion of Los Angeles team had their sprint train out coming through the finish line on the one to go on the bell lap. They probably had four riders out front, and they were working for Sam, because if you remember, Sam Schneider has the yellow jersey. So they got all the way around, and when we saw them coming back around the last turn, back onto the finishing straight during the last lap, they were still in front, but I think with only two riders and then Sam, and they were pushing through, and then um, a rider from Team 2024... She stayed on the back of that train through that entire lap and used them and then worked her way up. And in the last few meters, she was able to pass Sam Schneider. So that was Marlias Mejias Garcia from Team 2024. She passed her on the line, won the race. Uh, Sam was in second, so she did maintain her lead in the Intelligentsia Cup series. So she was able to maintain the yellow jersey, but she did not win the race. Marlias Mejias Garcia came around her, and it was a really, really exciting sprint finish. So... That's how the women's race ended. What's really cool about these crit races as well, it's a 75-minute race for the women, and then they did a, a kind of family fun ride. So you got families and kids out there. They got to ride the same course that the racers were just on. It's kind of a fun thing. Then the, the, the guys were warming up, and then you had the, the guys race soon after the women's race. So you're in there. You get to see the 75-minute women's race, and then you get to see the 75-minute men's race. So... What we're going to do is um, take you back to Frankie and Brad Soner. They are going to announce the Velo Chumps Prime for the um, for the men's race. And you'll you'll hear when they're announcing that Prime, they did something a little bit different. And then I'm going to come back and discuss a little bit about the tactics because the men's race played out very, very different from the, the women's race. So it's interesting because it was the same course that they were both riding on. And you heard that the women's race ended up in a in a bunch sprint and that is not at all how the men's race played out so it just goes to show you 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 don't know what to expect in, a, in races like these the the excitement level is always high so first let's take you to the announcement of the fellow chum supreme and then we'll come back and, and talk a little bit about those tactics Morris Hernandez, Williams Co and Daniels. Corey Williams and Simon Daniels on the front. Daniels riding for that Canadian team. Cap's getting pretty big. We're going to be ringing a bell for our Field Prime. Field Prime $100. Field Prime $100. Field Prime. This group right here. This group $100. Field Prime. $100. Field Prime. Big thank you to Bella Chumps Podcast. Trying to get to your cycling information, learning a little bit more about bikes at Bella Chumps Podcast. Go and check it out. $100 from them. for the front group now, $100 again from Bellow Chumps Podcast, $100 for the break, $100 live right now for the field, be able to see what's going to happen, Bellow Chumps Podcast providing that money, what kind of sprint's going to come from the main group, will it be able to reduce the gap to our breakaway? 
Certainly going to shrink the group down. One rider going clear to the line. That will be Theo Gilbertson for the Mino Q squad. Mino Q sporting a new jersey tonight. Yeah, the green and black. Gales, I'm not sure. I and I told them before when they sported it, I think, a Tour of America's Dairyland, I'm not a big fan of it. Yikes. I get used to I get used Yikes. to them in black. Yeah. They're in the cooler black in black. The pink. I like the black and the pink. This gator skin, New Zealand, whatever it is, I'm not used to it from Mido Q. But don't take them lightly just because they changed their color jersey. They are a dynamo team. Project Echelon also swapping their jerseys mid-race. They went from the light blue to kind of a dark purple few days ago. Yeah, in just a moment right after we award this stream, I'm going to be talking to their manager and owner of the team, Eric Hill, about why the change to purple and what is the significance of purple. And he's going to tell me that it's not actually purple. You decide when they come through. This is like when I told uh, Frankie Andretti that Michigan's colors were blue and yellow. Oh boy, it's maize. There's your leaders. All right, they're not sprinting for the money, so that's the last time we award that to you guys. Yeah, those guys are the least exciting breakaway that we're going to watch tonight. We always give them one just to see if they'll sprint. Well, what those guys did is just divided 100 by four, and they're like, we'll each take 25 bucks in the parking lot afterwards. They've got a bigger goal of trying to win this bike race because they have the yellow jersey isolated right here. Big problem for Mito Q New Zealand as they got to figure out how to get their guy up there, Ben Oliver, doing what he can on the... All right, so what you just heard there was Frankie Andreu and Brad Soner announcing the probably fourth or fifth lap of that race. So what you heard was that they already had a breakaway with a pretty sizable gap. So in the men's race, on the first lap, four riders went clear and got a pretty big breakaway. And by the fourth lap, they were far enough, the brace was far enough split up that they basically took that preem and split it into two preems. So they had a field sprint and a preem for the breakaway. And you heard him mention that they weren't going to give any more preems to the breakaway. And basically what that means is the breakaway, they were not going to give them an additional incentive to try to, those four riders to try to sprint for the line as they were coming around. But they did have several field preems. So this is something very different than, say, the KOM jersey or the sprint points in the Tour de France. What will happen is you have a breakaway up the road, which is, in this case, it was four riders. And then you'll have the whole rest of the field more or less together. And they will award preems for a sprinter or a rider that wants to sprint out of the field and be the first across the line of the field. So, of course, the first four from the breakaway will have already crossed the line. But then there's still some skin in the game for all the riders in the field at certain points throughout the race. Of course, remember, it's not planned. They don't know ahead of time. It's when the... Um, when the announcers decide to award those and when they decide to announce them with one, you know, one lap ahead of time. So it maintains a lot of activity. It maintains a lot of excitement. So even if you're in the field or even if you're watching the field, there are plenty of um, exciting moments in the race, even amongst the field, not just in the breakaway. Now, what was really interesting about the tactics in this race is this breakaway, you heard Corey Williams was in there, but there were some strong sprinters in this breakaway. And in a criterium race, I had mentioned earlier that if you get dropped and you're off the back, you might get caught and they'll pull you off the course so you're not going to affect the front of the race. But conversely, if a breakaway gets up the road, there's a chance they could catch the field. Now, in that case, they're not going to 
pull the entire field out of the race and just allow the four breakaway or whatever, the number of breakaway riders contest the race on their own. Instead, in a criterium race, what happens is those four riders are absorbed back into the field and then the entire field races the remaining amount of laps. But what that means is those four riders are virtually one lap ahead of the entire field. So as they're coming to the line, the field is all coming to the line at the same time. But if one of those four racers is not the first to cross the line, that means the person who crosses the line first will actually be in fifth place. And if the second person that crosses the line is not one of those four, that will person will be in sixth place and so on. And then they will go to the, um, you know, finish line camera, slow-mo video, and they will figure out in which order those four riders from the breakaway or whatever number of riders from the breakaway cross the line. And they will be awarded the first through fourth places in the race. But that actually opens the door for quite a bit of interesting, you know, tactical decisions made throughout the race. The other cool thing about criteriums, like I said, it's 40 to 50 laps, riders coming around over and over again, which means that you can sit in one spot if you want and really keep an eye and keep track of what's going on in the race. You don't need a live stream. You don't need to follow on TV. You can sit there and really understand and, and watch the race dynamics as they happen in front of you. And typically, what's these criteriums, the big ones anyway, the big ones like the Intelligence Cup, this one in Lake Bluff, it was in the downtown of the neighborhood. There were restaurants all along. It was like a big party. It was really exciting. So what we did, we, we got some dinner, and we watched the race from the side of the road. And we're going to take you to that roadside restaurant where we were watching the race unfold, watching this breakaway, seeing what was happening with it, and just to give you a little bit of flavor of the fact that, you know, you can sit there, have dinner, watch a bike race in front of you. It is such a thrilling and fun event. Even if you're not a huge bike racing fan, it's worth going out and just trying to have some of that experience. So let's take you to our race side restaurant where we watch this breakaway develop. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about how the race ended. All right, Casey, on to the men's race. We are sitting on the side of the racetrack here, or the race course here, and we where are we sitting? We are at a pizza place. Half and Half Pizza Co. Awesome, and we, we ordered a pizza about half an hour ago, and they told you it would be ready in a few minutes. 7.03, and now it is 7.11. Oh, man, so they're late. Time's a ticking. They are late. <laughs> but this is one of the exciting things about being at one of these crit races. We are sitting at a outdoor seating at a pizza place and we can watch the race go by remember i told you it was every or they would come by about 40 or 50 times in this men's race and we are watching the racers go by right now as we're sitting here waiting for our pizza so it's an exciting time it is like a party here huh casey front row and center people have some beers in hand they got some food um cowbells they got it all yes it's like a big party yeah so Beautiful night here in uh, Lake Bluff, Illinois, and we're having a fun time. I mean, this would be a fun party even if there wasn't a bike race, but the bike race just adds to it, right? <laughs> it adds to the entertainment, absolutely. Absolutely. So this race is pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw, Casey, but there are four riders that got off the front. Basically from the gun on the first lap, we have a four-rider breakaway that includes Corey Williams, who is normally a sprinter, but he is out there in the breakaway. They have a pretty big lead right now, so... What do you think, Hayes? Do you think they can take it all the way to the end? No. No? <laughs> you think they're going to get caught? Well, after watching the women's race where there were four laps left and they didn't think that 
the two riders in the front were going to be caught, we got a lot of ground to still cover. So I there, definitely think they'll be able to make up some ground. That is true. There is a lot of racing left. Um, Someone just peeled off. Yep, He's yep. done. He's done. Steve Fury called him out, said, get off the course. They, Too far off the pack to make up any ground, so he's got to go. Yep. So they have not switched to laps yet, so they're still calculating how many laps are left. Uh, sounds like the uh, race is coming through again. There's the lead moto. Let's see what kind of gap these guys have. So there was the front four. They just went through. This is a pretty big gap, Casey. This is a large gap. Well, actually, 15 seconds. So it's not that big, not that big. 15 seconds gap. So I'm with you. I think they are going to bring this back. Still a time left to get yep. it back. They just started a little preem um, competition on this next lap. So I feel like that helps close the gap Yeah, a that was too. a field bream. So what that means is those four riders out front, they're not eligible for the extra money. They're racing for the win and the field they're trying to get draw the field to see if they can get a few riders to sprint to make that little bit of extra money. Uh, so it's not just about who wins the race. They're trying to get the get create a little action. If you heard on the Velo Chumps preem, they they split it up. They gave half of it to the field and half of it to the breakaway. And if you heard them talk about it, the breakaway did not even race for it. They just rolled through. So they said they're not going to give the field. I mean, they're not going to the, give the break any more preems tonight. They're uh, they're out. They they're have no. In it to win it. They yeah, they're in it to win it, preams. but they're not going to win any extra money. So, but yeah, we just wanted to bring it, bring you a little, uh, uh, bring you a little segment here from the side of the road or the side of the the race course. It is the road, but you know we're gonna hopefully here in a minute. Casey's going to go in and check on our pizza, and we will check back with you after we're done eating, huh? Sounds great. All right. All right, so Casey and I were completely wrong on that. The break did manage to stay away. And, in fact, what happened was after we finished recording right there, the break really started turning on the heat and started extending the gap quite a bit. And the break got to a point where it was closer to the back of the field than the field was close as close to the break. And that means they were close to making the catch. So I mentioned earlier that there was some there there are some interesting tactical decisions that have to be made here because if the break catches the field, what that does is it allows a sprinter or a strong rider that catches the field to use their teammates. So even though that they've they've dropped their teammates way behind, if they get back into the field, it becomes one field again, and those teammates can now organize a sprint train and organize a lead out to get them across the line first. However, if the brake does not make the catch, then of course those riders are just like a brake in a road race. They are all going to the line, generally 1v1. So this, this group of four was all from four different teams. Later what happened was as the that group of four started to catch, getting close to catch the catch the field you might have had these tech these types of tactics playing out we mentioned that Corey Williams is in there so his team wanted them to make the catch Legion of LA because they wanted to be able to use their strong and organized lead out train to help him win so they might have actually been slowing down the field to try to allow the breakaway to make the catch 
on the other hand, you might have had people in the breakaway that did not want to catch the field because they might have felt that they had a better chance to win the sprint among the four. So they might have stopped contributing to the chase to of the breakaway to chase on and catch the field where you might have teams in the break in the field that have a rider in the break that they also don't want to make the catch to be made because they don't want to allow a strong team like Legion to form their lead out so they might actually start trying to chase ahead and get the field moving faster so the break doesn't catch them. So there is a huge additional dynamic in a criteria race that doesn't exist in a road race because of the element of going around in the laps. And it just makes for some very fascinating tactics. So what what ended up happening in this race is that the the four breakaway riders did not... They, they got close to catching the field, but then the field started pulling away and the catch was not going to be made. Seven additional riders went off the front of the field and eventually caught the four breakaway riders. So going into the last laps, we had a new breakaway formed of 11 riders and the field far behind. So then you ended up with 11 individual riders, each going on their own to try to win that win the, the individ, this individual race in the Intelligentsia Cup. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take you to Frankie and Brad, and they are going to call out the announce the last lap of the, the men's race at Lake Bluff. So let's listen to that. It's pretty exciting. We'll get to see how it finishes out. Brad, right now, here are our leaders. They're going to be getting one lap to go. Start ringing that bell and make some noise. Let's go, make some noise. I'm going up the road. One to go, guys. One to go, one to go. Last lap of racing, one to go. Then Rensburg on the back. Now as Movenzada hits out with the attack. If Denver Disruptors does not bring this back, that is going to be a huge mistake on their part. With two riders in that front group, they need to sacrifice somebody else. But unbelievable right now. Backstretch, nobody's been able to get away. That's the right move for Movenzada. I think you have two sprinters in this group right now. I'm going to say Corey Williams and Ben Oliver are going to be your two favorites in this sprint. If you're not one of those guys, you got to figure out a better way to win out of this group. So Movenzada is trying to prevent a sprint by attacking here at one lap to go. Try to catch those sprinters off guard. We'll see if it works on the backside. Here comes our field. Remember Fergus Arthur from Texas Roadhouse? He's been away for five laps. Let's get him going. He's trying to be able to hold on. Texas Roadhouse, Fergus Arthur. One lap, one to go, one to go, one to go, one to go. Racing guys, can Arthur hold on? One lap to go, gentlemen. One to go, one to go, one to go. Your feet are rolling through for their last lap of racing. One to go. All right. And now we turn our attention up to that final corner where very soon your break of 11 guys will jump out of that last corner. And then, Frankie, the sprint is on. Spencer Movenzada trying to be able to hold him up. And here comes Daniel. Sarah of the Canadian team taking the win, being passed five meters from the line. What a ride. Daniel's going to get the win tonight, and that'll certainly closed the gap to the yellow jersey. This Reinhardt Yachtsman Rensburg finishing up. He gave it a go. Wasn't enough to stay away, but did his part for the Denver Disruptors. Then Oliver, second place, an incredible sprint with that yellow jersey, but big surprise. 
as Daniels takes over the win, the 26-year-old winning here in Lake Bluff. Guess what? You're going to get another sprint. Pay attention right now. It's two for one, a Kmart special. The first sprint and now the second. Project Echelon trying to control that field. They've got a train on the front of the train coming your way. If they can turn that into a points position because that's basically what these guys are fighting for. Here's a sprint coming to the line right now. That'll be Project Echelon getting up there. They're going to hold on with Ken Bickmore to win the field sprint for Project Echelon. All right, well, hopefully you got a sense of how exciting the end of that race was. These races, you know, when these riders are coming down to the wire in the, the end of the race, and especially in the sprint finishes like we saw in the women's race, these riders are moving. And I just, I had some stats here. I just wanted to, to point this out because nowadays in the, the technological age we live in, it's exciting because everyone puts their uh, their stats on Strava. So, we are able to do a little bit of a comparison here. Now, now, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not trying to say that any of these girls should be or would be riding in the world tour. But I just want to compare some numbers so you get a sense of how exciting the end is, end of this bike race could be. So we just had the – we told you that at the end of the women's race, there was a sprint finish, and Marlias Mejias Garcia came around the Legion train and – sprinted past and took the win. Sam Schneider came in second, and in third was Peta Mullins. She is a strong Australian rider, and she is the only one of the three that had their ride on Strava. So she was the third-place rider. Now remember, she came behind Sam, who was dropped off by her Legion train, and Marlias Mejiz-Garcia came around that Legion train. So I'm going to say Marlias probably went a little bit faster than Peta Mullins, but Peta Mullins top speed in that sprint was 36.8 miles per hour now let's compare that stage three that just happened of the tour de france femme lorena Weebus won that stage in a bunch sprint and if i look on her strava her top speed in that stage three of the tour de france femme was 38.6 miles per hour so now remember peter melons was 36.8 Marlias Mejias Garcia is probably a little bit faster because she was able to come around and take the win. So we're talking about within two miles per hour. I mean, we're talking about 30, probably 37 something miles per hour for Garcia and 38.6 for Weebus. So I'm just saying they're not tremendously far off from the, the most exciting, the most explosive world tour rider trying to win a stage in the biggest race of the year, right? Now, you just heard that the men's race did not end in a sprint finish, so you didn't have your lead-out trains, you didn't have your typical sprint finish in a in a bunch sprint situation, but I was at a race earlier this week in Winfield, which was a pure sprinting type of course. No breakaway could get away, and in the last few laps, the sprint teams organized, got their sprint trains together, and delivered their sprinters to the line. And at that particular race that was a sprint finish, Ty Magner won that race, and his top speed was 45.4 miles per hour. He, he did have his ride on Strava. Now, if I go to the top sprinter in the World Tour, in the biggest race of the year in the Tour de France, if I look up Jasper Philipson, 
his Strava, he doesn't he didn't upload all his rides, but he did upload stage seven where he did beat Mark Cavendish in that ride. If you remember that, if you're a Tour de France fan, uh, Mark Cavendish was having some uh, drivetrain issues during that sprint, but it still shows goes to show that um, Jasper. I mean, Mark Cavendish timed that beautifully, and Jasper really had to go all out and full gas to try to beat Cavendish. And Cavendish probably would have won, but Philipson was probably going at his top speed, trying to get around. And in that particular race, Philipson was at forty six point three miles per hour, so not even a full one mile per hour faster than Ty Magner. So. The point I'm trying to make here is not that these guys or girls should be in the World Tour, but the point I'm trying to make is as a spectator, you can see sprinting and racing that is on the same level physically when you're from your physical perception of seeing just riders at speed come by you. You can see them at this, this nearly almost imperceptibly at the same level as these World Tour riders. And in fact, you can be much closer to the action at these criterium races. So I just wanted to point that out, give you a few stats so you could, you know, try to imagine and understand the level of racing you're seeing out here. So so that's going to wrap up our coverage of the Lake, Bl- Bl- the Lake Bluff Criterium. We did go the next day and the uh, Goose Island William Blair Criterium. We did watch that in downtown Chicago. That was the end of the um, the Intelligence Cup series. So the, the yellow jersey was on the line in both the men's and the women's races. Uh, Sam Schneider did win that race to hold on to the yellow jersey on the women's side. And um, later during the men's race, Ryan and I were giving a little bit of uh, commentary on that side of the race. So we're going to take you race side of day 10 of the Intelligentsia Cup and let you hear a little bit of the action from there. All right. We are back at the Intelligentsia Cup. This is the last day. We are at the Goose Island Crit, I believe it's called, here down on Fulton Street. Is that what it's called, Ryan? Goose yes. Island Crit. Yep. Goose Island Crit. So we're here with Ryan. Ryan, tell us where we are. Tell us, paint the scene, Ryan. Where are we? We're going to paint the scene. We're on the south side of the four corner crit um, around the chicane. And we have, we're across from the Legion and Austin Aviators tents. The lead car is getting ready to come through. Last time on the way through, there was a few riders off the front, um, but they were trying desperately to bridge back up. So here they come. It looks like it's all back together now. Yeah. No break. But we're going to just hold your mics out. We're going to hear these guys come by. So this this race is very fast. This this field is very strung out. I don't know if you heard, but it probably took 10 to 15 seconds for the entire field to come through, huh? Yeah. And I will say that was a much more uh, even-keeled lap. The last lap, when we were walking down to the corner we're at now, there was a somebody ejected a bottle, and oh, Eric yeah. and I were both holding our breath desperately because the bottle ended up in the middle of everyone, and no one went down. Thank God. But yeah, that that was a near catastrophe. But uh, but yeah, so we're sitting here on the back street, what it's called, because on the other side of the race, we can actually see the riders coming through on the. 
the, the finishing straight and the way that Ryan described it as a four corner crit, we actually can see to the other side, watch the riders come through and then they'll come around and uh, come past us again. So, so this course, Ryan, I know you weren't there last night, but this course is a lot less technical. This is a pretty standard four corner crit other than where we are standing right now. We'll, we'll put a picture up on the Instagram, but this little, little chicane, little curve they have to go through here, tiny. But otherwise, it's a pretty straightforward four-corner crit where... And this chicane is banked perfectly. Oh, yeah. It's, like, it's, yeah. They're, they're, they can come through here fast. It, yeah. will be, it will be very fast on the last few laps when they're trying to make their moves. Here comes, here comes the field again. Let's see what it looks. Eh, they look all together again. This does not look like they're going particularly fast. So yeah, when I say not particularly fast, I will say that there was basically no one pedaling through that cor through this chicane, huh, Ryan? Everyone's free rolling through, and I would what would you guess? 27 miles per hour, maybe faster than chump speed, anyway. So, somewhere around 30, that's for sure. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're cruising. Prettier places to watch a race, but on in the middle of the course, on the start line finish, on the north side of the course is Goose Island Brewery. On the south side of the course. I am sorry, but I can't see the name of it right now, but there's another brewery opposite of the start finish line. So if you're here for a nice Sunday afternoon at the races, yeah. it's a nice setup. Yeah, again, very fun. Again, like last night, I mean, it's basically a party. So it's not like you're just coming to watch a bike race. You're coming to a party. Over, We were over at Goose Island earlier. It was packed with people. It's, you know, it's intense. It's a lot of fun. And then you can also watch a bike race, right? It's pretty cool. So let's see, they are, the car, I can see the car, they're coming around again. So you can you can get a sense of how many times these riders are coming around, huh? Just from listening to the these pod. These are ticking away. Yeah, the, these guys are going pretty fast here. So the car's coming through right now. Let's see how the field looks. If you heard that coming through, that's a drone. They're taking aerial footage. Oh, there's a little break. There's about four or five riders that got away by maybe, Three or four like seconds. A Legion rider, Miami Knights rider, and um, Blazers Miami and the Blazers Denver Disruptors. And Denver Disruptors. So that's interesting. We have the sort of competing groups there. We have Williams <laughs> Racing, which it runs the Aviators, the Legion of LA, and the Blazers. And then you have the new Upstart NCL. They had the two of their riders up, the Disruptors and the Miami Knights rider up there. So. So that was pretty interesting. I, I, I don't feel like that break's going to stay away, though, Ryan. What do you think? I don't think no. so. Not on this course. This is a fast course. No. Sometimes it's uh, just trying to push the pace to get the, the stragglers off the back. Yeah. We, we saw in the women's race there were a few moves that tried to get away. None successful. It did come down to a field sprint. Very exciting field sprint in the women's race. Uh, Legion dropped off Sam Schneider, who was in the yellow jersey, a little bit early and then she she was able to hold on she finished first the the two chasers were closing on in on her in the end but she managed to finish about half a bike length ahead retained the yellow jersey it was a pretty exciting race but i would expect this men's race is going to come down to a sprint finish as well ryan what do you think i agree um i know we were standing at the start finish line when they went off and all the sprinters started in the very back of the pack which we had a discussion about yeah, the sprinters looked like they were trying to save energy early. Although we did see Ty Magner back up to the front on probably the sixth or seventh lap. Oop. 
So like he, he didn't waste a ton of time getting back up to the front of the race. We'll see where they, they stand now. Everything's back together. We see him coming around again. That little breakaway was Legion pretty much pulled back. Although the race is Texas pretty strung Cardinals. out right now. So Sam, Sam Boardman. Off the front. Fan favorite, Sam Boardman. Speaking of Sam Boardman, if you did not watch Tulsa Tough, Sam Boardman is the Legion Domestique who rarely wins, and he was able to stay away and win, and it was quite an emotional finish. Absolutely. That was awesome. I do not think that Sam Boardman is going to win this race tonight. No. I think, again, no. it's going to be a sprint finish. But what he's trying to do right now is create a need for the other teams to, to burn matches to chase him down. He's trying to get away into a break and try to create a situation where the other teams will need to chase him down because he is I mean, he's strong enough to stay out front. He's a strong rider. I would not be surprised though the next time we see them come around that 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 break is gobbled up and it's and we're all back together or or, or someone counterattacked and we see a completely different break coming off. Yeah, Sam's job is not to win races and this this course is not a Sam Boardman course. But he's still fan favorite. All right, I see the car coming around again. So let's see. We'll we'll check the race situation this time, and then we will uh, we'll go to another vantage point after this and uh, check on how how things are progressing a little bit later on. But we'll, we'll give you the update here on what's going on here. Yeah, it looks like it's all back together, Ryan. Yeah. And it looks like it might it's still like uh, Texas Roadhouse on the front. Here comes Sam, still on the front. Man, he is so arrow that guy. But it is together. He did not. Uh, he didn't stay away. Uh, we're starting to see a few riders here. Uh, oh, we got a flat tire. Got a flat. Got a flat tire. He's going to go through to the uh, pits. Oh, he should come through this middle part. I don't know what he's doing. I think he is. There he goes. One thing we didn't explain last time, Ryan, is that on crit races, what they can do, since it's just a bunch of laps, so this guy has a flat tire right in front of us. He is going to cut across the course and go to the neutral service, which is on the other side, and he's going to get what is called a free lap, meaning he will not need to chase back and make up the lap that he missed due to having the flat tire. So usually what they do is within the up until the last five to ten laps i'm not sure what it is in this particular case but they will allow riders to have a free lap so he can go get a wheel change and they will push him back into the field where he was and he will not have to chase around and do the whole free lap which is very different than if you see a road race on tv if they have to get a wheel change they have to chase on and um that can, you know, that can be devastating if you have a, a mechanical at the wrong time. Now, in this crit race, of course, if they have a mechanical, if they have a flat tire in the last five laps, they're out. They're screwed because these, these riders are going extremely fast. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's how these crit races work. Yeah, I will say when I first started crit racing or quit watching crit racing, <laughs> that was hard for me to understand. But now that I've been watching and following and attending these races, it's actually really nice because if you have one of your – you know, stronger riders that unfortunately has a mechanical or gets a flat tire or something, they can get back in the race and contribute. So it makes it more fun to watch for sure. Yeah. So, so they just, the riders just came through again. The field was all the, Oh, we got a few stragglers. Now we got a few stragglers. A few people are not able to keep up. 
what's going to happen with them since they're off the back and they are not in the draft anymore. They are not going to be able to continue and keep up with this race. They will probably get pulled, meaning they will just be pulled out of the race to not affect the field and not affect the race results. But, uh, but yeah, that, that one through Ryan, once they, they gobbled that break back up, it seemed like that one was a little bit slower. These guys are conserving a little bit of energy because yeah, sure. they do – they do have 75, 75 minutes of racing here tonight. So yeah, yeah so we're gonna we're gonna cut off now. Go to a different different part of the course. Yeah, so this time Ryan and I were correct in our assessment. This race did end in a sprint finish. So we just wanted to give you a little bit of extra flavor on a different race, similar thing, but it was a different race course. And of course, as we talked about in the previous day, the same racers more or less ended up with a pretty exciting breakaway that almost caught the field and then the another chase group went up and caught the breakaway whereas in this race there were there were attempts to get off the front you heard us talking about Sam Boardman there there were attempts to make something happen in the breakaway but really all of that amounted to was the tactics that made the teams do the work that they need that, that they were trying to get other teams to do or whatever they were trying to accomplish by um, having people chase down those brakes, but it all did come together and you could tell late in the race, everybody understood it was going to be a sprint finish. The um, Legion of the Los Angeles team tried to take control and really had their lead out train, which is sort of a, a um, trademark of theirs had a, had their lead out train out there for probably the last six or seven laps, just maintaining their position at the front of the race and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take you to uh, Frankie and Brad with three laps to go. They can in a, they can do it much more in a much more exciting way than we can. So we'll let you listen to those guys calling out the last three laps, and we'll see how this uh, this race finished out. On Fulton Street, that's because Legion's taking his inside line all the way up against the fence. Down to three laps to go. Here we go. Three to go. Murphy on the front now. ACG lining it up behind them. And now these guys starting to get into trouble. Even Lucas shaking his head, his signature move at three laps to go. Hey, one thing to keep in mind, we talked about Legion of Los Angeles, we talked about ACG, all of these riders who are trying to be able to win the race. On top of winning the race, remember we have two races in one. Who's going to cross the line first, but also the overall for Intelligentsia Cup. Sitting just behind the fight that is going on is your overall leader in the yellow jersey and he has to finish in front of Simon Daniels. He does not want Simon Daniels to finish in front of him. So we have a sprint going on between the Belgian and the Canadian team and the New Zealander and then we also have the sprint to be able to win the race. But don't be surprised if that yellow jersey actually does both. We're also getting down to the point in the race where it gets downright sketchy out there at two laps to go. This is where you start skipping a wheel. You start making contact with the other guys. This will separate the men from the boys in the field because a lot of guys, once you lose that wheel, you have one bad incident, you're like, I'm freaked out. I'm so scared at this point. I've been riding 32 miles an hour with these guys on either side of me. The guys that are really good here are like, I'm fine. I know that my bike can do this. I trust myself. I trust the team. But some guys, once they have one issue late in the race, they're out. It just has a mental effect on you that you can't get over. And you have to be 100% on your game to fight for these positions at the front of the bike race. We're going to take them down to two laps to go. That means we got two more chances to cheer for these guys. Let's bang those boards, ring the bells at two laps to go. Disruptors trying to come up the right side now. Denver going to try and get organized here at two to go. And look what happened to the back of this bike race. Kaboom! 
That is the speed going from 30 to 35. That's the difference maker. His job is done from the New Zealand team number 21 right there, Theo Gilbertson, trying to be able to help out his leader in the yellow jersey. Now, next lap, part of the key to this, are the white jerseys gonna be able to remain on the front or will there be a new team? Will there be a new set of colors taking over right here in downtown Chicago. Yeah, remember, we've been talking about Legion a lot, but that means that Legion has been doing all the work and everyone else has been relaxing behind them, saving their energy. So don't count out the other teams. This is a great setup for them if they can come over the top of Legion here where they're going to get one lap to go when they come through the line. And this is going to be crazy. The last lap of the last day of the Intelligentsia Cup. Ten days of racing all coming down to one final sprint. Points are close. If you're walking around, make sure to check out that food expo. All brought to you by Triple X Racing. Go on over there and support them. In the meantime, are the white jerseys on the front? Can they hold them off? This is going to be one lap to go. Now's your time, Chicago. Let's make some noise. Make a total of sound. Here we go. Group is all together in one lap to go. Can Legion control the front? They're still there at one to go. ACG in the mix. The yellow jersey is also there. One lap to go, gentlemen. One to go. Did you notice those white jerseys? They had five to lap before. They're down to only three. Two guys have done their job. So right now on the back deck, they're trying to be able to pass each other going 35 miles an hour. A lot on the line. Keep an eye out again. The New Zealander with the yellow jersey. He has shown two times he is extremely fast. He's going to be able to look to sprint. There's Frere doing a great job helping out his team. Give him a big round of applause. Frere, a great example of one of those booster rockets. Did his job. That is one of the strongest guys on the bike. He used everything he had just to keep Legion up there. Kyle Cooper wrapping up as well. Nice job out there today, Kyle. But now it's all about the guys on the front here as Legion tries to hold on with now just four riders remaining there. Going back to Salt Lake City and boys, there were two other races where it takes place. Can't count out Danny Summerhill. Very fast sprinter as well on the dark blue jersey from ACG. That's what we're going to be able to see. Will it be the white jerseys of Legion of Los Angeles? They're swinging to the right side of the road. They're hugging the barriers. They don't want anyone to be able to come by them. It is now coming down. Time to hit the turbo. Time to hit the nitro. They're going to start up the right side of the road all the way against the fence. Here it comes to the line. It's ACG against Legion. And ACG beats Legion to the line. The American Cycling Group pulls off the upset. After leading the Legion train, they hold on. And ACG gets the win. Jaime Castaneda taking the top step. We'll put Legion in a sandwich with Ty Magner in second. And Castaneda's lieutenant that got him there, Danny Summerhill, will round out your top three. Oh, well, you may have seen those blue jerseys sitting right behind that Legion train the last five laps, and they came around when it counted. ACG gets the win, coming over the top of Legion. Did anyone, we saw the front, I was so focused on the blue jerseys and the white jerseys. Where did the yellow jersey end up? Did anybody happen to see where the yellow jersey was in that sprint? It's like magical shells. 
It's a shell game. We're not trying to be able to figure it out. We're going to have to figure it out and go over there to be able to figure out where number 23 came across the line. What do you know? The pitcher went up to the mound on a full count and threw low and inside. Predictable. That was a predictable move, and it was taken advantage of by ACG. All right, so you heard right there at the end of the race the Legion train that had been doing the work. They brought Ty Magner to the line, but he only managed to be in second place. You kind of heard the uh, announcer there kind of mentioning that uh, it was a predictable move by Legion, and the AGC team was able to take advantage of that and bring their sprinter around for the win. Um, the yellow jersey that was coming into the race, he did maintain the yellow jersey. He finished at a high enough place to earn enough points in that final race to uh, maintain that yellow jersey. So, you know, just like in the Tour de France, for example, that's the, the stage win is not always the, the primary goal of everybody. The person that's going for the overall will be going for the overall, and you'll have people going for the stage win. So that's kind of what we had going on there. So that, it was pretty exciting. We hope you uh, got a chance to understand a little bit about the flavor of Criterion Racing, some of the nuances, some of the differences between that and a typical road race. And again, I just wanted to encourage you, if you had a chance to go support some of these racers and see some of this racing live, it, it's you won't regret it. It is super exciting. Even if you're not into bikes at all, like I said, it's a party atmosphere. I mean, this Intelligentsia Cup was super fun. It was a party atmosphere, but it's nothing even like Athens Twilight or Tulsa Tough, which are literal parties on the side of the road with a bike race happened to be going on there. So it's just uh, we, we really wanted to try to encourage more people to get into this type of racing, or at least from a, a spectator point of view. And we, we hope we were able to, to, to do that and, and bring you a little bit of that flavor, like I said. So hopefully you uh, like what you're hearing here. We, uh, we encourage you to uh, leave a rating and review about our podcast on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us. We would like to grow the audience. Please tell your friends and family about it. Uh, the other thing, I haven't mentioned this on a, on a few episodes, but we, we are going to put a few of the pictures and especially videos. We got some really cool videos of the racing here at the Intelligentsia Cup. We're going to put that up on the Instagram. So check out for that once you listen to this podcast. We are going to have, I mean, some of these, um, I'll tell you now, some of the videos we're putting up there, they are not going to be sped up. They are going to be real time. So just to give you a sense of what it's like being right up next to these riders as they come by at, you know, 30 plus miles per hour. It's very exciting. So check out the Instagram, leave us a rating and review, tell your friends about us. And we will then, if you do all that, we will be back with some more cool, special episodes. Speaking of that, keep your ears out. We are going to have a special episode recapping some of the Leadville action from the Velo Chumps that are out there already and that are going out there. So keep your keep tuned in for that and we will see you next time. Thanks. Hey, have you even been listening to what I've been saying? I've been talking to you for the last ten minutes.